Another Way to Play, episode 97. To be a good leader, you have to start with the foundation of yourself. Because if you have self-uncertainties, self-doubts, you don't know why you're doing things, and you don't have enough experience on the product that you're going after, then you need to develop all those pieces. It goes back to if you have a solid foundation, starts with you, and then things go a little bit crazy at first contact, you still have a solid foundation. So then you can press forward off of your foundation. This is Chris Wooten, retired Marine turned real estate investor. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to another way to play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play, your wake-up call to finally make a difference by creating a life defined by freedom. This is about entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and industry professionals that have left the 9-to-5 rat race behind by taking that personal leap from where they were to where they want to be. It's time to stop going through the motions, stop hitting the snooze button on your life, and get the insight and inspiration to make the next chapter of your life better than your last. This is Another Way to Play with your host, Hans Struzina. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Struzina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is Chris Wooten. He's a retired United States Marine, and after 20 years, three combat tours, and 10 promotions, uh, has gotten himself into the real estate space. He started out flipping homes. His first one was like 600 miles away from where he was living at the time. And he started uh, basically building a team, building systems, building models, and ended up doing 20 or so uh, before he got into multifamily units. Now he manages a portfolio of 534 units and is solely involved in that space. In this one, we are going to talk about a couple of different things. One in particular that I think is really cool is a story he tells pretty early in the episode about an ROTC officer, a sergeant major, I believe, who told him that if you have consistently above average performance, you will succeed in life. That conversation takes us into some really interesting stuff. He tells us how he started flipping homes on the side when he was still active duty, and then ultimately how we got into the apartment space. And, you know, just a lot more really valuable content about systems, models, excellence, and getting better at your craft. So, tune in. And before we get there, I uh, just want to say thank you to those of you who have written a rating and review on iTunes. I really appreciate it. And if you are getting value out of this show and you haven't written a review yet, uh, please head over there and take a couple minutes and do that. It really means the world to me, helps me continue to get better and improve the quality of this show. And I just really appreciate your support. So thanks in advance for that. And without any further ado, let's bring him in. This is my interview with Chris Wooten. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really excited to have you here. Thanks for having me on. I like to uh, get on these and try to give back and uh, motivate some people to move forward. Yeah, man. Our mutual friend, Zach Knight, introduced us. I'm really glad he made that connection. And you've got a lot of things going on. Like I said in the intro, former Marine and turned real estate investor, but you've got a lot of businesses that you can share and a lot of experience you can share with us. Before we get to all of that, let's back it up and build some context for the audience and talk about where your journey actually began. 
Well, as I develop more and I mastermind more and I'm around more entrepreneurs, I keep looking deeper. And I think I've actually figured all the way back to high school when it all began. Um, I was always good grades, but I was a bit of a knucklehead kid. But when I got to high school, I joined uh, junior ROTC. Had a sergeant major in there um, that it never really fully clicked what he was getting at, but now it definitely does. And his whole thing was consistent above average performance will overshadow or um, overtake excellence in individual events. So as long as you're consistently hitting above average, Mm. your total average will then be above average versus the person that comes in and they're really good at one thing, but then they're not so good at another thing. And their average may actually be less than your performance average. So you're talking about like being broadly good at everything as opposed to maybe narrowly focusing on one. Correct. To an extent, to an extent, you definitely uh, approach your objective of what you have going on, analyze what your strengths are and identify all the pieces that you can do above average on those. And then you still have to reach out and build your team. If you need to plug in other people that are additionally above average or higher, but then your product outcome will be, Mm -hmm above average to excellent. Got it. Okay. What I love about that concept is that it also brings in this idea of time relative to putting time on your side. Cause you know, you could have in a sports analogy, you could have one amazing game or you could have one amazing test in the classroom or do one killer project or one great podcast. Mm-hmm. But if you're, um, you know, taking just that one thing and hanging your hat on it, your over time, your average is going to be very low. Right. But if you're always, uh, hitting well or, or have a B plus or whatever the analogy you want to use there, um, over time, you will have a, a very strong average and a very strong base to lean on. It sounds like that's what you're talking about. Correct. Correct. So you had this sergeant major influence in ROTC who's that clearly stuck with you and then took you on to a lot of what you're doing now. So then after that high school experience, where did you go? So then I went into the Marine Corps and carried that mindset forward. And in doing that, all that I did was I made sure I knew to get promoted to the next level, I need to do these things. So I'm going to make sure I don't care if I get perfect score in any one thing, as long as I hit above average on all things, when I go before the board to get promoted, um, it's more of me challenging them to tell me no, because I have a hundred percent above average. I don't have awesome physical fitness, but then my knowledge may be lacking, or I may be a great shot, but then my physical fitness may be lacking. I was a solid above average. So then I was just a a more well-rounded Marine and essentially challenged the board to tell me that they couldn't promote me. Mm, That's an interesting concept. You know, my wife is a fitness trainer and she just in the month of June, recording on June 2nd, started a fitness challenge for all of her, her clients. And I think there's five categories they can score in. It's like exercise and how much water you drink and stuff like that. And I overheard one of their calls and they were all saying, well, I can't do this. And I have this, this foot problem and I have that. And she's like, whoa, 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 back up. Like there are five categories where you can earn points in. And like, it's a month, like it's a whole month. You're trying to get as many points as you possibly can in these five categories. So choose what you're good at and, ha- and maybe work on your weakness. You know, that's the point of fitness training, right? But right. maybe work on your weaknesses there and, um, 
and and it was like this kind of click moment for me. I like I was like, oh yeah, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the best email marketer and YouTuber and this and that, or even the best at any one of those things mm-hmm. to like be successful and run an amazing business. Correct. Yes. Consistency above average performance will trump somebody that's got an excellent niche. That's awesome. Yep. So, so in, in the, the Marine Corps, oh, I was going to say, Oh, please go ahead. So in the Marine Corps, um, I went from E1 to E7 warrant officer through chief warrant officer three, and then switched over to LDO captain. So in 20 years, I got promoted 10 times. So if I would have started on the officer side, I would have been a general. Um, granted, not in that time frame, but right. uh, there's very few people in the military that get promoted more than I did. And I just started a family later on. So I was like, yep, I've done my part and I'm going to go ahead and step out. But I knew as I was getting ready to transition, I needed something to do on the outside. And um I had a, a, a XO executive officer uh, pull me aside and he's like, you run an amazing department. And I had uh, several hundred people in my department. He's like, you run an amazing department. Your results and products are always outstanding, but you are very difficult to have as a, as a worker. So mm-hmm. love me as a leader, did not like me as someone that had to work for him. And I was like, huh, okay. So I need to start my own business is what I'm hearing Yeah, because I need to, <laughs> I need to make my own products. Great. Um, so I started surrounding myself with mentors and getting coaching and doing some reading and podcasting and really learning more about uh, real estate is where I ended up hanging my hat and I learned all kinds of different strategies. But over the years of moving with the military, I enjoyed each time I was moving, I would research a town a neighborhood, find the house profile that was turning the best uh, returns. And those would be the ones that I would buy. And I enjoyed that. So then mm-hmm. I naturally converted my first evolution was to go into single family rentals. And then I started to learn about wholesaling and stepped out of that training, getting ready to do my first wholesale activity. And I had a property under contract. And I started looking at the margins and I was kind of like, why would I do this piece if I can make all this extra over here? And I already know how to team build. I already know how all those things work. And this property was 600 miles away from me. So it was definitely not in my backyard. Wow. But I knew how to team build. And I had been able to develop my own skills over time through the Marine Corps that I didn't hesitate at delegating activities to people that I could build trust with. So I was like, Hey, I'm just going to go ahead and flip this one myself. So I started making phone calls and sure enough, within about three weeks, I built my team. Mm-hmm. Um, I did go out to visit them and had lunch with them. And I was like, yep, I think this is the right team and off to the races. And, uh, that was, whoo, that was seven years ago. Um, and no, sorry, sorry. We started flipping. That would have been five years ago. Um, oh, wow. And I just did it for three years while I was still active duty as a side hustle. But I, out of the more than 20 properties that I flipped, I might have walked through three of them. And it was literally just using the tools that I had, um, having the trust in the people that I had on the teams and uh, seeing the results. 
That's fantastic. I, I mean, really, it sounds like to me what you're talking about is a using the skill set that you had available that you knew you were good at, but also um, building systems and models around some of the other stuff and figuring out you know where you plug in and then when you need to plug someone else in and where they all fit and mm-hmm. um, you know the analogy of getting the right people on the bus and then in the right seats. Right. Right. Well, and so there's that piece too. The military is all about systems. I mean, you can take mm-hmm. the newest person is the way that we want to write our systems military side. And it'd be very narrative to where anybody can do it. So mm-hmm. I'm used to making those systems. And then because you're able to make those systems, you have to understand things to that depth of, a, uh, I call it a granular level. You have to at least understand. You don't have to be a master at it or anything like that, but you have to understand the bits and pieces to go down to the granular level to be able to make an effective system. And by being able to do that and understand what task people were doing, it gave me the courage to say, hey, I'm delegating this to you because other than on property having physical, uh, you open up a wall and who knows what you're going to find, other than those kind of surprises, we didn't have surprises come up on the teams because I already had an understanding of how the work processes work, how the marketing processes work, how the buying and selling processes work. I already understood all those pieces. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think a lot of people get tied up when they are being a team lead for a thing. Uh, maybe they get promoted and now you're a supervisor. They tend to be a little... Uh, standoffish if not become micromanagers because they don't understand and that's where they need to educate themselves to be able to build the courage and then be able to rely on their team to do more work Mm -hmm. because the more work you can offload to your team Mm -hmm. the more work that um that total team will be able to push out the productivity uh escalates exponentially that way I was watching a video the other day that I'm sort of, this is kind of a weird way to pull this all together, but I was watching, it was with Jocko Willink um, on YouTube and he was doing just a movie, like a, a war scene dissection, you know, one of those movies where they, where they have experts go talk about different, whether it's real or it's not or whatever, scuba diving and flying planes and whatever. Right. Um, and he was talking about decentralized command and how he pulls that out of like this war scene where these two guys are having a momentary conflict and saving Private Ryan on the beach. And then they said, okay, great. And then we moved on to their separate task. And he was like, you know, that's the epitome of like how it works and how the individual missions work. And I was like, that's like a lack of micromanaging, like give people the direction everyone else knows what everyone of the other people are doing and then let them go do it. Right. And it sounds like that's to some degree what you're talking about. I'm wondering how that, if that applies in this case, or if you think that that's not how you ran your system. No, and it actually does. So I followed a lot of Jocko's stuff and the way the SIL teams operate is very similar to the way Marine Corps uh, infantry operates. And every Marine's training is built off of a Marine infantry model. Um, to where you've got four-man fire teams, and then you build out to your squads, then you build out to your platoons, and et cetera, et cetera. But every level, you have a certain element of leadership, and that allows you to have that decentralized leadership. And it makes you have to ensure that your leader is developed and has all the tools that you would expect for them to have. 
And if they don't, you as the leader have to go, my bad, I messed that up. I didn't properly prepare the leader to be able to take on this task. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you may throw somebody into a situation just to see how they overcome because you know they're not 100% there, but you want to see how they're going to push through. But mm-hmm. when you get into things that have to be done with um, any kind of uh, immediate action kind of stuff, you need to know that your team and your leaders are trained and ready to do it. And that gives you the ability to, uh, to allow for the delegation without the micromanagement. And if things, um, what was it, Mike Tyson, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. It's yep. the same thing. Um, in the Marine Corps, we would always say Every great plan uh, never survives first contact. So your leaders that are actually doing the action need to know what your in uh, we would call it the end state. So what the end state is, and they can adjust what's happening on the ground to still achieve that end state, then they're in the good. And you just had to make sure that they had all the tools necessary to make that adjustment and keep pressing forward. So relative to this leadership thing that we're on at the moment, um, which clearly came up in your case because you were the leader of your flipping crew and then subsequently with some of your real estate investments and then obviously in the Marines previously, um, how does one develop leadership? Because I think that's such a buzzword that gets thrown around all the time, especially now um, with especially around Jocko stuff because the dichotomy of leadership is such a great book and everyone wants to be like this amazing leader as a result. But right. um, how does one even develop those skills to be able to call themselves an effective and a good leader? Oof. That is a deep, <laughs> that is a deep question. Maybe we should start our, a different podcast right, on it. Or right. something. <laughs> um, I mean, to be a good leader, you have to start with the foundation of yourself because if you have self uncertainties, self doubts, you don't know why you're doing things. Um, and you don't have enough experience on the product that you're going after, then you need to develop all those pieces. Um, it goes back to, if you have a solid foundation starts with you um, and then things go a little bit crazy at first contact, you still have a solid foundation. So then you can press forward off of your foundation of knowledge. And so many of the influencers, gurus, et cetera, that I know that is the one thing they will repeatedly say is if I went bankrupt today and I was out on the streets if I could get nothing more than a cell phone and what I've got between my ears, I will get it all back plus in just a couple of years. And that's really what they're getting at is Mm -hmm. you can't necessarily be afraid of failure, but you have to have a solid foundation to build off of. Mm -hmm. And then you can start to develop all the leadership pieces and it is bringing the right people together. They need to have their own foundations. They need to have their own, uh, specialty components and essentially to where you can build in a, a masterminding type environment to where there is some cross talk between the people on your team mm-hmm. and they have some shared knowledge and experiences and they can collectively grow, uh, grow the experience to where you need it to be to be able to accomplish the objectives that you've got. So it really starts at a very personal core level with uh, understanding skill sets, understanding processes, and then developing it in yourself so that you could take it over effectively. Like I, 
I can't remember, like I'm in a mastermind with Zach, our, our mutual friend who mm-hmm. um, introduced us. And I was talking on one of our mastermind calls, like maybe a month and a half ago about um, outsourcing my social media content for my brand in this podcast. And was thinking, you know, like I could go pay somebody to do it. I could hire a VA to do it. But I was like, you know what? I really need to like understand this to your point. Mm-hmm. And so I've been right. really sort of struggling and then figuring it out, finding efficiencies and then growing in that area of like not only what to post, how to post it, when to post it, you know, how to make it cooler, more, you know, more like worthy, whatever, more watch worthy only because I've trialed and narrowed my way through it, right? And now right. I'm in the process of hiring a VA to help me outsource some of that legwork that I know how to do very well now. And if I went to your point bankrupt, I could take it back and probably start to rebuild some of that. You know, I'm not some amazing guru by any stretch of the imagination, but the concept applies is now I have this confidence to go instruct someone of how to do it and how I want it done. Well, and that's exactly it. So if you have a good enough understanding to build the system, then you may find somebody that has a better natural skill set, but you have enough of the system that you can, Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps they come down with the flu and you're getting ready to do a big launch and they come down with the flu. Well, who's going to do it? Mm -hmm. Well, you as the leader got to do it. And if you don't know how to do it, oh my, things are going to go awry. So in being a good leader, you have to have enough understanding of the task that needs to be done so that you can not only build the system, kind of like what you were talking about, so that you can bring on that team member to do the system. And maybe they are better at it. So great, you bring them in. Here's your system of your expectations, and they go and they run with it. But if they happen to pop up with the flu and you're getting ready to do a, a big release or whatnot, you need to be able to know how to jump in and work that system and get the thing accomplished. So essentially that is the two things that a leader needs to be able to do is they need to be able to have enough know-how of what's going on and what the expectations are. And then they also need to have the ability to say, job's got to get done. I'm going to get my hands dirty and jump in and get it done. And also it's good for the decentralization to allow that team member, if their processes are better, they approach you and say, Hey, Here's your system, but I think we should do this and this, and it would optimize the system. And that's just going to help everything going forward because if they ever uh, go on to another job or whatever, and you bring somebody else in, now you have this more optimized system to provide to that next team member, and they're starting on step three or four versus starting back at step one with that system. Yeah, awesome. Really, really well said. And so relative to like building up the skill sets yourself and then building the processes uh, with your team and, and documenting and then teaching new people. Um, I imagine that's how you sort of built from the single family rentals and the flips into some of the larger deals that you're part of now. Can you talk about that transition and how you kind of scaled up into that world? Well, and it was kind of by accident. So I was still active duty while I was doing single family and things were going great. And I had, I had a couple of great teams in different cities and different states and we were getting good returns. And I Literally, I had to decide I could either up, I could take on a higher tempo myself and just work more hours, but I was already stretched pretty thin or bring on an ops director or somebody else that could help keep the, keep the wheels turning when I'm, when I'm doing active duty stuff. 
And I just decided, ah, I'm going to keep it right here. I'm happy. Everything's going great. But I had this uh, capital that was building up and I didn't have anything else to do with it. And I wasn't going to put it in the bank because I knew the returns I could get in the real estate environment. So I just put word out, hey, I'm looking to buy an apartment complex. And sure enough, a couple months go by and um, coming up toward the end of the year, I actually had this partnership and it was going sour and they had a couple weeks till the end of the year and they just wanted to sell this apartment complex. I was like, okay, so your, your focus is to get it done by the end of the year so you can tax return and you're done. And they were like, yep. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, here's what I can pay you. And they took it. Um, mm-hmm. Now that property, because it had been mismanaged, um, had some admin issues for, oh man, almost the first year. Uh, just trying to get the right property manager in there, trying to get the residents, uh, the right culture of resident in the property mm-hmm. so that they could appreciate mm-hmm. what I was trying to do and that I was trying to to serve them in the property and make it better. But I had to get some of the mm-hmm. some of the knuckleheads out of there too. Um, mm-hmm. So like I said, I just kind of accidentally ended up in the multifamily space, but I quickly saw by that second year when I had the right property manager in there and I had the right maintenance team in there and I was getting the right culture in with the residents and seeing what the property was doing and seeing the additional, uh, essentially the additional tools that you have in commercial real estate to include uh, apartments that you don't have a single family, scalability, tax benefits, et cetera. And I was like, this is the space I want to be in. Yeah. So I only had another year of active duty left. And as soon as I retired active duty, I sold off all my single family assets and went a hundred percent into multifamily just because of the, uh, the scalability, the team, the longer term team cycles, because with single family, I was, we were flipping. So, I mean, it would be the same team, but the Mm -hmm. properties would change out every three to six months. And I liked having that apartment that we held for years. Yep. Um, And actually I still, I haven't sold a property to date. Um, so every property I've ever picked up, I've still got it. Um, and, uh, the returns just continue to grow as long as you are continuously looking for ways to improve, whether it be administratively, whether it be physically, um, new gadgets that you can put into the units to make the residents want to hang around longer, that kind of stuff. And, and just keep rolling with it. Yep. Yeah, man. That's exactly why I like that space and like getting into that space as well. Just all the things you just described. Um, so relative to where you see yourself going and, and some of the businesses you're involved in, like you've sort of accidentally got into this multifamily apartment space, but you're darn glad you did. It sounds like, Oh yes. And, um, you know, here you are, you know, you've got, I think over 500 units now, right? Correct. And so you've got a pretty sizable portfolio that you've built up. You know, what kind of things are you looking for now? Because I think a lot of people would aspire to even just a 10 or 100 units. And like, and then the concept of 500 units, is like, oh my gosh, like that's obviously a full-time business. But like, where do you even go from there? And like, what kind of things are you getting into uh, now? Especially now that COVID and the shelter in place has totally changed our world and the rental real estate space in particular. Right. It goes back to, I mean, you're, if you're looking for that consistent above average performance, you have to consistently be learning and evolving with the environment. So the finance markets are changing almost 
weekly, if not daily. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely staying abreast of what they have going on. Um, rent collections are causing issues across the country of various types of impact. So just being aware of those kind of things. Um, some people that were buying apartments, teams that were buying apartments uh, essentially got out over their skis here in the last uh, two years or so. And I was seeing that as I was, I knew where I had bought my first couple and how I evaluated those. And I realized how hard it was to evaluate the more recent uh, acquisitions and get purchases because I had so many people um, just really fluffy valuations. Mm-hmm. And I was very surprised that the finance markets were saying, oh, yes, we'll, we'll finance that one. Mm-hmm. And it was blowing my mind. But now all that's starting to come crashing down. So I'm definitely keeping a watch out of what's going on and what else I can acquire. I always look for uh, typically uh, B and C type properties that have some component of value added to them. Um, Mm -hmm. I I call them light and heavy lift. Mm -hmm. So light lift is administrative operational and then super heavy lift is like 40% occupancy and a bunch of down units. I typically don't play in that space. Um, Yep. But an 80 something occupancy, I'll look at that and then just needs to be updated renovation. Uh, I mean, I, mm-hmm. six to $10,000 a door kind of thing to be able to get the job done. Um, that's definitely a, a heavy lift that I would take on, but I only do one of those at a time because I still have a relatively, in my company, a small team. I have teams mm-hmm. on the ground at the properties, but in-house proper, I have a small team and I'm actually looking to grow that a little bit more probably with the next acquisition because mm-hmm. um, I really need to offload some more of the uh, admin duties mm-hmm. that I do uh, that have just been kind of the last bits and pieces that I'm willing to let go of uh, and and I'll, I'll peel those off mm-hmm. and let somebody else take those on and then I'll be able to really focus on acquisitions and valuations and then uh, just continue to grow from there. I mean, I my wife always gets on, I've, I say just my wife, my mentors over time, they have always gotten on to me because they're like, well, um, what kind of goals do you have? And I was like, ah, I'm kind of the contrarian with goals because I see goals as a limiting factor. And it goes back to that never ending growth. So I, hmm. I may have steps to take along the way, but it's never a goal. It's just another step. Um, and continuing to grind forward. Mm-hmm. So I don't have an overarching goal per se, as long as I'm still able to serve the residents, better the property, uh, good service to the investors, I'm happy. And I mean, I get, uh, my payback comes out of those results. As long as those are being hit, I'm going to get a payback out of it. It's Mm -hmm. going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. And I appreciate you breaking that down for us because there's a lot of facets in the real estate industry, in any industry, in any profession that that go into kind of where your trajectory can go. I mean, a couple of things you said there um, that I wanted to just pull out before we end the show today is uh, this this idea of like you're kind of the antithesis of the goal setter because you feel like those sort of hold you back. And you talked about constantly being above average in your performance and um, can you just on a higher level, maybe just break that down for us? Because, uh, that's, that's a little bit of a contrary 
idea that I think a lot of people would struggle with if they just heard it and then walked away. So um, <laughs> what does that sort of, you know, pursuit actually look like for you? And like, how do you, how do you sort of justify that in your, in your head to make it so that you're not just like aimlessly wandering around the marketplace trying to put something together, right? Like how, do, how does that work for you? Right. Right. So uh, let's see. I've come across many people, uh, masterminds, wherever, that they'll make goals that exceed their objectives mm-hmm. so that no matter where they fall within the range, it's still on the positive. I don't disagree with that. If that's what they need, great. If people need short, mid, near-term goals, great. But I just, I don't know what it is. I just don't function that way. Um, I really just set up my, uh, my lateral limits. Uh, like if you're on a, uh, on a range, mm-hmm. so you get your left and your right lateral limits mm-hmm. and you identify, okay, I'm looking to do this. So like I say, I want to serve the community. I want to better the property to be able to serve to the residents, which will thereby serve back to the investors and then will come back to me. And it also allows me to go, uh, be more uh, charitable and those kind of things too. So that, that is also a give back for me. And then my experiences also allow me to do things like this to where I can reach out to other audiences or um, I may do uh, some offline coaching. I get beat up all the time. Oh, you should charge for coaching. And I'm just like, I, I, mm-hmm. that's not where my head's at. And it's probably, <laughs> it's probably wrong of me uh, in the, in the entrepreneurial mindset, yeah. but my focus is I'm going to monetize through the real estate path and not all these other things. So I'm focusing on the one thing, but I don't necessarily have to set a goal per se. I just have a a narrow path and I'm just charging down that path indefinitely. And as long as I can be, I guess it's the servant heart piece, Mm -hmm. uh, being the servant leader, as long as I'm able to serve the residents, the property, the investors, uh, whatever charitable organizations I want to reach back to, as long as I'm able to do those things, I'm achieving and I just continue to go. That's awesome. I, I think that might be a little tough for people to, to sort of digest. So, so wind that back, <laughs> hit the 15 second back a few times and re-listen to it. Cause if you, if you listen to what Chris just said, there's some really interesting truth in that because a, you have to know who you are and know um, what kind of, you know, goal setter achiever you are and, and how you're going to really get yourself out of bed and get motivated every day. But then also, um, different ways to skin the cat, so to speak. And, you know, you don't have to wake up at 5am and drink a green drink and do jumping jacks and then read a book and all that stuff to be successful. Like you can really break this down in ways that, that, uh, serve you specifically. And that's something that I think Chris just illustrated for us in a beautiful, beautiful way. So thank you for that. Um, you. you know, I do want to respect the rest of your day. Uh, so I am going to go ahead and transition us into the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Cool, man. First question. Uh, what book have you gifted most often? I would probably say the one thing and uh, not a whole lot of a surprise there because it goes back to that narrow path of uh, trajectory. Mm-hmm. Great. That's a fantastic book. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Hmm. 
I think I would probably say Steve Jobs. And just because he was definitely a visionary uh, entrepreneur mindset, even though he ended up being over a large corporation, but I mean, he started in a garage. Mm -hmm. So he definitely had the vision to grow. Things were needed. He had a, a product to bring to cycle and just continue to push and sell that product. And that would just be very, very insightful to be able to pick his brain. What is one thing that you believe that most people would disagree with you on? Uh, I would probably say um, within the leadership space, understanding the granular pieces of things that are being done. Because without that, you inherently are more likely to, uh, to micromanage and, and have less courage to delegate your activities. I love that. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you start your day? Um, oh man. I mean, I get up, I do have a green drink. <laughs> As do I. <laughs> um, so I, I get up, I have my green drink with the apple cider vinegar and uh, pea protein. And, uh, I used to do uh, physique, uh, weightlifting, uh, shows. So mm -hmm. I, I still try to keep my body in that, uh, anabolic state in the morning and, and keep more of a fat burn going as long as I can into the day. And then, uh, I'll, get the kids off to school and daycare and whatnot, and then um, really jump in and start working. And then uh, when I get to the gym, normally mid-morning, mm -hmm. um, podcast or Audible goes on, and I'm, I'm learning and exercising, so I start to collapse time that way. And I further collapse time because I listen to them in uh, double time, which takes a little bit of, of mind training as well, because the first time you listen to that, it's like chipmunks. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, over time, uh, and I won't say necessarily everyone, but over time, you train yourself to be able to absorb that content at that faster speed. That's, that's actually really good advice because I, I don't do that. And I usually put them on in the car when I'm driving to and from an appointment. And, you know, it takes me a while to get through the long one. So I'm with you there. You got it. And Chris, this has been awesome. What is the best place online that we can connect with you? So real Chris Wooten. And that's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, so you can reach me on any of those three. And, um, and then I've also got my website, wootencapital.com, uh, uh, for anybody that is interested in investing or looking at investments, um, they can contact me that way. Awesome, Chris. I appreciate it. And guys, if you want to get the real Chris Wooten, uh, head over or down in the show notes. I've got all his social linked up there. You don't want to find the fake ones. So don't go on your own. Just go down to the show notes <laughs> and get it there. Yes. Um, and uh, man, Chris, I really appreciate you being on. Uh, guys, hopefully you got a ton of value out of that. Chris, do you have anything for us before we sign it off for today? No, that is it. I can just hope that I inspired somebody to take the next step, reach out to someone that can help better them and press them along and get them moving. Absolutely, man. Well, you definitely inspired me and I really appreciate your time and I'm sure you inspired the audience as well. So have a good rest of your day and thanks for your value. Awesome. Same to you. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you guys so much. If you want to uh, get to know Chris a little bit better, go down into the show notes, look up his social media, which is at uh, Real Chris Wooten, W-O-O-T-E-N. Uh, and also his website is down there if you want to talk to him about the real estate investing that he does. Uh, as well, all of my uh, social stuff is down there and my Calendly link. If you want to get on my calendar and connect and have a one-on-one -on -one phone call, eh, I would love to get to know you just a little bit better. I really appreciate all of you who have taken me up on that because it's great. 
to hear who's listening and how I can continue to add value to you guys as listeners. So thank you so much for that. And without any further ado, let's sign it off. So this is Hans Strizina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last. Thanks for joining in for this episode of Another Way to Play, making the next chapter of your life better than your last. For more insights and inspiration to help you make that personal leap, be sure to engage with Hans on social media and get your questions answered right here on the show. Reach out to Hans at ChiefSNAH on Instagram, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Another Way to Play.